before we get started, do you have any pre-show conversation, like chit-chat? Chit-chat, chit-chat. I mean, um, you know me, I always got stuff. I got, I, got a, I got a yuck and a yum. Oh, boy. If you want to hear it. I saw, I saw Hamilton a couple weeks ago. Wait, really? Yeah. Like the stage fun. musical, or you watched it mm-hmm. on? Really? Yeah. Where was yeah, this? I saw it in Tampa. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. What this was your first time seeing? It. You had never listened to the album or seen the the movie or anything, right? The filming. I'd never seen the movie. I was told before seeing the play that I should like listen to it, listen to some of the songs, mm-hmm. just so like I know what they're actually saying when I see the play. Mm. Um, I think that was bad advice. I think. Yeah. I think I would have rather just not known anything. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I don't know why that was recommended to me, but. Um, I mean, it did, didn't ruin it or anything, obviously, but um, yeah, yeah, saw, saw it live in Tampa uh, a couple weekends ago. It was fun. Um, good cast, good songs, good all around. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, maybe I'll check out the um, the Disney Plus thing. Probably not for a while, but yeah, I'm more interested to see that with the original cast now. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, what did you think? You overall, you liked it? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. Um Learned a lot historically. I mean, I don't know how historically accurate it is, um, but I assume some of it um, that I definitely didn't know. I mean, I barely knew anything about Hamilton himself. Um, so, yeah, it was a cool little story, unique unique way to tell a story about the Revolutionary War. Like, interesting focusing in on one specific character like that. Yeah, I think um, I think it's pretty historically accurate. I mean, I think they're I think they're. I think the biggest like inaccuracy, I guess, that comes to mind is like the Skyler sisters were actually like three of like twelve. Like they're like, but mm-hmm. he just they just condensed him down to like oh, well, these are the three sort of most important ones. So you know, right? Yeah, that wouldn't work in a real play. <laughs> right, it'd be too much, too many characters, too much. What do you yeah. think of the music? I know you're a big mm-hmm. like rap hip hop fan in general. Do you think the, the ly- lyrics and music was cool or? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, I I liked how um, I liked how certain characters, um, like the king and Thomas Jefferson, when they first get back, or when he first gets back, um, their their like musical style is much more old fashioned um, because it shows that like they're not they're behind the times in comparison to like all the Americans who are singing and rapping. Uh, I th- I thought that was a cool little. Um, a little way to just differentiate the characters um yeah it, it was it was all good music it was really fun no i'm I'm glad you picked up on that because yeah that is that is very much intentional um yeah i love i love the king george songs i think they're so funny <laughs> yeah he was he was the best part <laughs> yeah he's he's great um in the in the original in the original uh bridway it's uh it's your friend uh jonathan groff yeah yeah i know i love him he's yeah. great yeah, he's he's awesome. So, well, that's cool. That's a fun thing you got to do. Yeah, I think that that's that's all that's new with me. That's all for chit chat. I think what what's going on with you? Well, I was gonna say, uh, I have a yuck and a yum. I have a thing I dislike and a thing I like. Oh boy, I'll give you the thing I dislike first. All right. You know what's a great app? Hmm. Apollo. Yeah. This is this is you know. You and I both our favorite Reddit app. I mean, it's just it's so much better than the official app, isn't it? Yeah, the official app sucks. Yeah, no, you know, it's just it's just you know, it it just feels like 
it just feels like it's sort of like one size fits all. It feels like it's sort of, it doesn't feel very much like iOS. It kind of feels like it's trying to be its own thing, you know, and it's clunky. It's, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I think, I think like corporations, like, like social media companies do this thing where like they try to have like their own brand and style. And then, but it, what ends up, ends up happening is that it just, it just feels so different from the rest of the phone that it's like, it's, this is annoying. I have to like learn a new app every time, you know, it just, I just right. find it frustrating. So I love, I love Apollo. I think it's, I think it's so great. Um, and I think it's such a great app. And I think, um, well, I think like, I, well, I think it'd be really awful if like Reddit just like got rid of that, you know? I mean, what would you do? What would you do if, if Reddit one day just, just said, you know what? No more Apollo. No more alternative apps at all. You have to use the official client. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd have much of a choice. I guess I guess I would go back to the, the original app. I mean, I, it's, it's like it's, Apollo is much better, but like I used the Reddit app for a while just fine. Like I, I, could, I could live with it, although I wouldn't be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I know what you mean. I feel the same way. Um, and I was thinking about it like, wouldn't boy, wouldn't it be cool if YouTube had like had the ability to do that? If you could do that with YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. like imagine if there were alternate YouTube apps like made by third parties that you know anyone could make a YouTube app, anyone can use an alternate YouTube app. Like, wouldn't wouldn't that be the coolest thing? Like, I don't know. Do you what do you think? You think that'd be cool? Yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing. Like sometimes using the YouTube app on my phone, like how hard it is to do something that seems so simple. Um, like every time when I um when I just want to like go to all of my subscriptions, like I just want to see a list of everyone I'm subscribed to. Like I don't I don't even know if it's possible. And every time I try and do it using the app, I like forget where it is. It's it it's it's so confusing. It takes me forever to like find. Like all right. Here they are. Here's all the people I'm subscribed to. It's way harder than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like, I don't know, like, it's one of those things where, like, sometimes the, like, the company that makes, like, the official app or the official client for, like, their social media service or whatever, um, sometimes it's just, like, they, they, their priorities are not the same as, like, my priorities as the user, you know what I mean? Like, is their mm-hmm. their priorities like, well, we have to make money. We're trying to push certain things. We're trying to incentivize certain user behaviors. You know what I mean? But as a user, I don't I don't always want that. You know, and that's that's kind of what I like about about like having Apollo as an alternate Reddit app is like it's it's made by someone who like just wants to use Reddit and know like he's a user of Reddit, so he's like, well, I know how people want to use Reddit, so I'll build the mm-hmm. app based on that, not based on what Reddit is trying to push. It's based on how people actually want to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. and that's that's what I love about about like having an alternative app for for Reddit, you know. And it it would it would it would devastate me if it went but went away. I think I think the ability to have like alternative apps for these sorts of platforms would be great. It'd be great if there was an alternative YouTube app. And that's why I'm so fucking pissed at Elon Musk. No oh boy, how does he come involved? They killed third party Twitter apps. Oh, like officially? Oh, yeah. Like, and and they did it in the most disgusting way possible. How? Tell me. One Thursday night at like ten thirty p.m., they just turned them all off. Wow. Didn't say anything. Did not did not issue a statement to the developers. Did not issue a statement. It was like four or five days went by, and then the Twitter dev 
account, like the Twitter developer account, they they tweeted out like, "Hey, we're enforcing our long-standing rules about third-party apps. So you know, we're just enforcing rules. So some some of the apps might not work anymore." Yeah, I, I think I had heard about that part of it. Complete bullshit. Long-standing rules. What what there are, there are no and then, and then like a few days later, someone found they changed their like developer rules to say like you're not allowed to mimic the Twitter experience. So they just fucking straight up lied. Like, like yeah. nobody was in violation of any rules. They weren't enforcing rules that they'd had for a long time. They just, they, they just decided, you know what? No more of those and just cut them off. Users were confused. Developers were confused. And by the way, people like make money on these apps. Like people have companies right. to make these apps and are selling like subscriptions and sell like people. These are people like they just fucking shut it all off and, and, and without saying anything for days and, 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 and it's just like and it's so despicable it's i just think it's so gross and it has led to me using twitter less because it's just like i i can't use it the way i want to anymore you know yeah it's not fun anymore no i mean it, it, i'm i'm forced to use the the official reddit i mean the official twitter app and it's like it, it's good for some things and it's bad for other things like and honestly though i think the whole twitter experience has gone downhill like i feel like i feel like I used to be able to go on the Twitter app and get a sense of like what's the big news today that everyone's talking about, who's the main character, what's the topic of the day, you know what I mean, and see the jokes and people people talking about it and see the different takes. And now I go on there and I'm like, I have no idea what like what what's going on in the world. I feel like it used to be a place to get a sense of like what's happening, and I mm-hmm. I don't have that anymore. And like the explore or topics page, whatever they call it, like I feel like that's totally useless. I feel like I, like it, it just it doesn't have anything good or interesting on there, like. It just like it, I, I'm just so upset. I'm and and it's also it's it's so stupid because it's like, Twitterific was like the first Twitter, basically like the first Twitter client, right? Twitterific invented the idea of associating a bird with Twitter. Oh really? Twitter's logo was not a bird until Twitterific. Was it, was it just the T? It was just the T. <laughs> I never knew that. That's so funny. Twitterific invented. Both the noun and the verb tweet. Wow. So much of the modern Twitter experience was created by third-party apps. Even I had no idea. That's wild. Even the, the, uh, the pull-to-refresh motion that we're all so used to on phones now, where you, you're at the top of a list, you pull it down, it refreshes, right? That was invented by Tweety, a third-party Twitter client. And then, of course, everybody looked at that and was like, well, obviously, this is brilliant and genius and we have to use it. Like, and it became like an official Apple supported API. Like, it was right. like, it, because it was just so brilliant. And like, like, so much of the Twitter experience and why Twitter is as big and popular a- as it is today is from third party apps. And, and for them to just shut it off like this, like, with no warning, no heads up, like, in the most just classless way possible, it's just, I think it's I think it's revolting. It's just disgusting behavior, and it makes me not want to use it anymore. Yeah, I mean, don't don't you love how um, it it'll all of a sudden start showing you tweets out of order for no reason, and you have to switch it back to show it in chronological order. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly one of the things I liked about the official Twitter app because what I used oh, to really? do is I used to use Tweetbot. Uh, that was my preferred Twitter app, right? And I used to use that, and that was just purely just everything is in strictly chronological order. There's no algorithmic what nonsense at all whatsoever. And, I mean, 
it, it was just everything's in perfect chronological order and and it was it was good for it was good for me making sure that I saw like every single tweet that I wanted to see in the order that it happened. That's what Tweetbot was useful for, for me. Mm-hmm. And then what I would do is I would switch over to the Twitter app, which had all that algorithm stuff. And I found it valuable to, to for Twitter, for the, the app to, to be like, hey, you know what? Here's a tweet from someone that like you don't follow this person, but some people that you follow follow this person. And it's kind of this tweet's kind of blowing up right now. So you might want to see that or, you know, or, or even like or even like, hey, here's a tweet from someone you do follow. Um but and it's getting a lot of attention right now, so we're going to elevate to that at the top to make sure you see it. Like that to me is valuable. Like that mm-hmm. it, just in terms of getting a sense of like what's going on today, what are people talking about? You know what I mean? So that I used both apps simultaneously. Like I, it, like in you know to work together as like I can get a perfect chronological timeline if I want to from Tweetbot, and I trust it to like make sure it's bringing in every tweet in order. It's not missing anything, and Tweetbot would hold my place. It would hold my place in the timeline, so that, that's so nice. So that, like, if I if I left my if I left one of my lists, I use Twitter. I, I, I you know I try to use Twitter with lists now, but you know I used to use I used to have lists for like here's people I know in real life. Here's here's my favorite tweeters. I want to make sure I see everything they post, and and I could go into one of those lists, and and if I left it, it would remember exactly which tweet I left off on. So like I can I know I always knew I could go back to it at any point, even. Sometimes even a week later, and it would still know this is exactly where I was, and it would give me wow. everything. It was fantastic. The official Twitter client doesn't do this. It doesn't care to do this. It doesn't want no. to. It doesn't even know how to. And it's and it's just it's so frustrating because not only do like not only do I know for a fact that I'm missing tweets that I want to see, but I'm also like I'm I'm also I also feel like I just know less of what's going on. And it's like it, this. This service used to be valuable to me, and 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 ev- I feel like every week it's it's less valuable. Right. What's what's the real what's the real reason that Elon would do this? Ban third party apps. Well, nobody has said anything. Uh, well, is, is there like a suspicion or like, well, it's probably this. There's nothing. It's just a mystery. I mean, my guess is that it has to do with the fact that third party Twitter apps don't show ads. Mm. that's that's my guess but what's weird is that twitter could very easily just make an api or and change some of their rules to say okay if you're a third-party app you know you have to show our ads like you guys been getting away with this for a you know a decade or whatever however long it's been how long twitter's been showing ads that twitter could come in and say look you know we're trying to make money on this and you know you you have to show our ads and so, so that we can make we can make some money on this. We don't mind we don't mind third party apps, but we we mind that you take away money from us. So show our ads, or even if they did something where they charge developers like like X number of things, like hey, if you want to make a third, you have to pay us money. If 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 you're mm-hmm. going to make apps where people can avoid our ads, you got to rec- we got to recoup those costs somehow. So Twitter, right. Third party apps, or even if or even if even if they did something like hey, you know, if you as a user want to use a third party app, that co- that's going to cost you, or you have to be subscribed to Twitter Blue. You know what I mean? Like even like there are so many like if it's just about money, there are so many other ways that they could have done this while maintaining third party apps. Mm -hmm. But so so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just purely about control. I don't know. It's it's really, really weird. That's so frustrating. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. That's that's why I said, like, what would you do if if Apollo just if Reddit just killed third party apps and you couldn't? Right. 
it'd be miserable. Like the, yeah. the official Reddit app kind of sucks. The official YouTube app sucks. But it's like we but we put up with it and we deal with it because it's like, well, what else am I going to do? Yeah, there's no other option. It, so it's like we're kind of used to it. But like like Twitter and, and, you know, used to be and Reddit is still like this, thankfully. But like they allow you – they allow people to make alternative apps and it and it's and it's great. And it's just – I don't know. It's just – it's it's frustrating because there's so few services that allow people to do that and it's always a better experience. And it's like yeah, another one bites the dust, I guess. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, it's it's clear that like no thought was put into this decision or very, very little. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have a different result. No, no, it's very clear. It, it's 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 also very clear that they just looked at what are the most popular third-party Twitter apps and just revoked their access to the API because they didn't kill the the Twitter API because all What the, what do you mean by that? Are there unpopular apps? Yeah, no, there's there's lots and lots of th- of third-party apps and and um but they clearly had like a threshold as like number of users above this just revoke access because what happened was Tweetbot they use the same API key behind the scenes to access Twitter for both their iOS and their Mac app. So when Tweetbot was when their API key was revoked, it just stopped working on both platforms. And then mm-hmm. Tapbots, the company that makes Tweetbot, they try they reactivated it with a different API key. They like did it, we were able to do a swap like behind the scenes, and it worked again for like a thirty minutes, sort of. Uh, and then Twitter killed that again. And then Twitterific, through some weird like just random happenstance of history they use a different api key for both their ios and their mac apps and so because the mac is just less popular twitterific for ios was killed immediately twitterific for mac still worked for like three days because it was just under the threshold number of users and then and then when this happened i went to the app store and i put in twitter and i went to and i just on my phone i just went to and i downloaded like probably 10 different twitter apps and like seven of them still worked and then, like, over time, over the next, like, week, one by one, they stopped working. So it was very clear that they had, like, set, like, a limit of, like, if it has a perf- above a certain number of users, just kill it. And then they went in manually over time and revoked access to all the others. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, this has been this, – this keeps getting worse. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is only going to keep getting worse. I, I feel the, the end days are near. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just – I don't know. I I I don't think Twitter's going to die completely. No, but... I don't I don't really think so either. And then and and some people that I follow are, are like, "Oh, I'm switching over to Mastodon. I'm only on Mastodon now." And it's like <sighs> that's annoying because it's like it's only like the sort of nerdy people who are over mm-hmm. on Mastodon or they're doing it for like some like high-minded political reason, which I guess is fine. And I'm and I'm on Mastodon and there's some good stuff on there, but it's just like I, I wasn't now I got to use two apps. Well, yeah, part of it is I got to use two apps, but it's also like it, it, because of the people that are that are actually switching, like it's like it's more like nerdy and slash maybe sort of political people who are doing it for like political reasons. So it it it's sort of become like t- like it's not replacement for Twitter in that Twitter was a good source of like of, you know, tech stuff because like, i care about tech i care about like politics i see politics stuff and also like pop culture and media like discussion and conversation right but like 
most of the people have not switched over to Mastodon. And the few that have, it's like the nerdy ones. So it's like all they're talking about is like tech and maybe politics. Like it's just, it just feels like all the people who have switched over to Mastodon are like so self-serious. And like they're like, they're like the people that I, that are like not fun posters. (laughs) Right. Which is like, I don't mind people like posting serious things and posting their genuine opinions or talking about serious issues. I don't mind that at all. But I also want to see like people talking about like, you know, a video game or some, or sharing memes or making funny memes about what what's happening on the day. Like, I also want to see all that in one place. And Twitter was a good place for that. And now it's Mm -hmm. not like, now it's like it, cause again, the Twitter, Twitter itself is like breaking in terms of like, just my ability to understand what's, what's the news of the day, what's going on. So right. just like, it, and, and now some of the people have left and are on this other thing, have to use a separate app to look. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's such a mess. It's such a mess. Like, yep, there's no pixelated boat on Mastodon. No, he's like, he's still on Twitter. I mean, and, and I, I like that account a lot. You know, I, I like, I like accounts like that. You know, it's fun, but it's, it's hard to keep up with. You know, it's just, it's terrible. It's, I don't know. I get, I like when Elon took over, I knew things were going to get weird. I guess I just, I was like, it, but it can't get that bad, right? Like things will still sort of work. And it's like, no, things are completely falling apart. Like I wasn't saw, he supposed to resign? Yeah. I think he said, like, I'll resign as CEO as soon as I can find someone else to take over, which who <laughs> knows how that's going. Right. Like I saw the other day that, um, that I saw this, like maybe a week or two ago that there are people reporting that they're seeing, like you know how some people have private Twitter accounts or like their tweets are mm-hmm. private, so you have to you have to be yeah. following them in order to see. Well, I've seen some people saying like I'm seeing these tweets in my timeline from private accounts that I don't follow because Twitter's doing wow. that thing that's like so and so liked this tweet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like so and so replied yeah, it's to just, this. It's just not working anymore. Right. It's like like literally like a fundamental part of Twitter, which is like having private accounts, is like breaking because they're that's terrible. So, so they're like exposing people's private accounts to, to like the algorithm. It's like. This this whole sir no it's complete it's completely breaking down. It used to be useful and now it's. I mean, it was always kind of a, it was always kind of like a hell site, but it was also like a hell home, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now it's just hell. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just hell. So that's my yuck. I also have what's, a yum. What's the yum? My yum is, I am loving The Last of Us. Oh yeah. This show is so good. I love how much they're deviating from the game that was mm-hmm. my one big hope i was really hoping i'm like please do not just do the same as the game i don't want to see that again i already right. know what this i already know it if i wanted the same as the game i would just play the game yeah exactly. but they're making changes and they're and i mean i mean you saw this week's episode that was fantastic mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean I, who who saw that coming you know <laughs> yeah and like i i love stuff like that like like that's what i like i actually cried during the episode Partly wow. because it was emotional, but also partly because it's it, it was this feeling of like this is what I want from like big budget storytelling is like is like like take a franchise an IP that I love and use it to do something interesting and tell an interesting story like mm-hmm. you, like like they're using the the intellectual property of The Last of Us and using it to tell a very human like post apocalyptic love story. This is the kind of thing that separates this show from like The Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I saw. I think I saw someone on Twitter say like, like, oh, why are we praising The Last of Us for this episode so much? Like, Station Eleven did this like every episode 
all season. They they did stuff like this, which is true. Station Eleven was a fantastic show. I loved it. If you like this episode, you should check out Station Eleven. It's great. But like, but my point is like, The Last of Us could so easily have become like they they it so easily could have been just an exact copy of the game or worse. It could have been like The Walking Dead. And the fact that they're choosing not to do that, I'm just I'm oh I'm over the moon about it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I I did watch um a tiny bit of the like post episode. They do a little behind the scenes thing. They did say this was like the most that they deviate from from the game. Um so I don't think we'll see anything as drastically different as this last episode, which is fine. Um but I I, I think it was um Neil Druckmann said like when making this like if we thought of something that was better than what's in the game let's let's deviate and do that if we think of something that's worse we just won't do it which is like it's so simple but it's like yeah yeah brainstorm just throw shit at the wall see what sticks if, if you got a really cool idea that would work in the story go ahead and do it and i i feel like that's what they did here nick offerman gives a, a really good performance um it was it was it was really fun seeing him yeah nick offerman and murray bartlett both amazing yeah yeah, I love that you brought that up because that's true. Like, like when they have a, a idea for how to make it better, like they just make the change and they don't, they don't, they're not worried about. Oh, it has to be exactly the same. No, they're like, oh, if we have a better idea, we'll do it. Um, I mean, they, I feel like they've made a bunch of changes so far, and I love all of them. Like even like in the game, like Joel's whole thing of like, oh, we're, uh, I guess I'll take Ellie to this one place in order to like get some guns or whatever it's like it's like okay like it's kind it's almost like kind of a weak motivation like whereas in the show they're like it's like he's always looking for his brother you know like like they kind of because i think in the game like joel and tommy haven't spoken in years and whereas in the show they're like in constant communication and he's worried about him and joel's like on his own quest to find tommy and 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 he gets saddled with <laughs> with Ellie, which I like. I like that. It's not a huge change, but I like that better. You know, so no. I mean, you're right. I think I think that's probably this episode was probably the most they'll, that they'll deviate from the game. But I, I they've made a lot a lot of small to to somewhat moderate changes, even in, this, in these three episodes. That I'm just I'm just so excited to see to see what they do next. Like I'm just I'm I'm loving it. Do you think do you think this season is going to end where the first game ends? Or yeah. do you think they're going to take their time with it? No, I think they said season 1 is is just the story of the first game is just Joel and Ellie. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't sure since they got if the, I they probably knew already it was going to get renewed for a second season, but I wasn't sure like if they were going to if they had a stopping point to end that story in a second season or something like that. Yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see how they do how they do season two because the the structure of the second game it's a very interesting structure and it and it the structure of the storytelling works really well in a in a video game i i don't know if it would work great in a tv show i feel like they might have to change like the complete structure of the storytelling mm. maybe maybe i don't know um yeah. but uh yeah so we'll so we'll see we'll see how they do season two that'll be yeah, they've talked a lot about how they're like, no, we just like we want to do two seasons, one season per game, and just dip out. Like we don't, we don't want to drag it out, you know. Hmm. I mean, aren't they doing a part three for the game? 
That's rumored. I don't think they've confirmed that. I think it's one of those things where oh. Neil Druckmann has said, like, if we get a good idea, like, we'll do it. Like, but, like, if not, then, like, we'll just leave it. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine they're at least thinking of, you know, could we do a part three, to, you know, to the video game, you know, but if, you know, I, I think, I think they're, they're smart enough to be like, if, if it's not a good enough story, then don't, don't bother. We'll just do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good they won't. They'll just they'll, they'll just end the show when the game ends. Maybe in ten years they'll do a, a third season when there's <laughs> a third game if there's one. But who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, or maybe you know it takes so long to film these seasons. Maybe it, the third game will be out by the time they have to do it. Season three, right, right. Oh, I like the um, I like I like the dig this episode. Um, when they're when they're just like walking along the dirt road, and Ellie Ellie says something like, "Shitty government couldn't even stop this pandemic." That was really funny. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, so I love the I love the show. Um, I'm very I'm very happy with it. You know, uh, and I'm and I'm happy it's not uh, it's not just like good for a video game show. It's like an, a genuinely good show. Yeah, I know. I, I think yeah, I think you could show this to anyone who's never even heard of the game, and and, and it'd be fine. I've I've talked to I, I talked to a few people this last weekend actually who had never played the game and are really liking it. So I, I think it's no issue. All right. Well, should we get into our our main topic tonight? Sure. So this was my idea for a topic. Uh, maybe oh, probably over a year ago now. I I wrote this down in our in our document, and uh, I think I think I'm gonna call it. I think I'm calling this segment the media that made us. Okay. Because the idea is, can you think of any media, whether that's books, movies, TV shows, music, whatever, that you feel like sort of shaped you into who you are today, shaped you into becoming the person that you are today? I think, I think this might be an interesting, an interesting topic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, this one's been in here for a while, but it always stood out to me as a, a fun one to explore. So I, I, I have one thing in there, but I thought of a couple more today. So okay. So um, I don't know. I, so I, I guess I have like I guess three ish, two, maybe two and a half, three. <laughs> I hope you didn't make a list of like fifteen things because then no, I'm no. like a chump. Okay, good. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I, I, I kind of thought of three. Like when when I just read this topic and thought very quickly, like three things jumped out to me. But I'm I'm sure if I could, if I brainstormed a bit more, I could I could come up with a f- quite a few more. But yeah, I'm 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 sure I could too. Maybe may, maybe some will jump out to me as we talk about it. Right, right. But um, okay. So well, I'm well, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious what you got. Do you want to go first? Well, the ver- very first thing. Um, that jumped out to me uh, was Pokemon. Really? So, yeah. I, I was thinking like very young age, um, just like my history with Pokemon. It played, played Pokemon Blue. That was like maybe the first video game I ever played on my Game Boy. Um, I would get home from like kindergarten, first grade and watch um, the Pokemon TV show, the anime on Cartoon Network. And... I remember buying cards all the time. I remember talking about it uh, with kids at school all the time. And uh, I, I feel like it was influential. For, it was the first video games that, that like that just like shapes like your whole experience with an entire 
like category of media like and it's it was something that i stuck with for a long time played pokemon games until i was like in middle school um one one thing that jumps out to me as like why it might have influenced me is more to do with the show but i I guess with the game too um just the idea of like an interconnected world or universe like i'm i'm thinking like this is like the first universe world that i really had exposure to um and and like i'm i'm a huge fan of a lot of universes and things that are interconnected but like the it's it's so cool to see uh a pokemon that you collected on a card show up in a tv show or that you catch him in a game or i mean the show is still going on but like as i watched it like old characters come back um old pokemon return that you haven't seen in a while and it was kind of fun to like just have that like crossover effect and just bringing back nostalgia for old characters things that um i mean i th- i think it's obvious like things like um like marvel did that i really enjoyed um back in the day when that was good um Harry Potter, maybe a little bit too, um, like bringing old characters back that happens more so in the books than the movies. But yeah, just, just the idea of just this complicated, interconnected world, lots of moving pieces, uh, intricate stories, uh, characters that leave and come back. I feel like that was like my first exposure to something like that. That's a good one. Yeah, because that also, that like, you're saying that, that, um, seeing this huge world of Pokemon sort of almost like primed you or, or shaped you into someone who, who like, oh, I want to see like big fictional fantasy worlds. I, I don't right. know. Like it's, it's almost more fun to have it, it. That, that was the first thing that showed you that like, Oh, having a huge fictional world is more fun than having a, a small contained world. It's like, yeah. it, it's more fun that way. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really cool. Um, and I mean, I, I think that, I think, I think that's why I, I like read a lot more like series books as a kid um and and have kept up with like big blockbusters lots of sequel type movies um is is just is just that idea of like this this can be really interesting when it's done well um having like having all these interconnected stories uh come together and i mean thinking of like harry potter percy jackson um what like Gregor the Overlander? I think that was. I'm, I'm thinking like books I read when I was like in elementary and middle school um, that are like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, yeah, that make that makes sense that you, then you would gravitate to uh, series like things that like not just like oh the, this is a one off novel. It's like no, I want mm-hmm. like a whole French. I want I want like right. Can you give me ten books in a series like that type yeah, of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like Chronicles of Narnia stuff like that too. Right, right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I still I still have so much nostalgia for Pokemon. It it is an interesting world, which is why I would like to see them do more with the PCU. <laughs> I know. <laughs> after I know. after I Detective hope, Pokemon. I hope that ever gets a or sequel. Detective Pikachu. Detective mm-hmm. Pokemon. You know what? Just make all Pokemon detectives. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Alright. So you want mine? Yeah, go for it. First one I thought of. A series of unfortunate events. Ah. And this is sort of what sparked this idea of a topic. Because, you know, I read these in like, I don't know, 
fourth grade, fifth grade, I don't know, you know, like like late elementary, early middle school, which I think is kind of like the demographic for those books anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I read those books, um, and then I, 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 I grew up, and I never really reread them most for most of my like adult life and and uh, and i but i look always looked back on them fondly as like oh it's cool that like they had they had some i like some cool ideas in there and i like some of the the quotes and the way things are written and stuff like that like i you know i look back on it fondly as like yeah that i i like those because it's i i think i had this feeling of like oh i like those books because i feel like a lot of the things that i believe and and sort of my values and things that i believe in are sort of sort of found in those books and that's that's why i liked them and then a few years ago when the tv show was coming out remember they did the netflix show mm-hmm. uh with neil patrick harris which i thought was great um I was like, you know what? Before the show comes out, I'm going to reread the books. I'm going to reread the series. You know, and it's not that hard. They're basically children's books, so you know, it's not that hard to read a book, right? Re- right. Read one, right? And I remember reading the books, and I remember this. This I got this overwhelming feeling of like, oh no, I don't like these books because I have certain beliefs and values. I I had this feeling of like, no, no, no. I'm the way that I am because of these books wow and uh, like it's just like 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 i think it's a lot of like a lot of the things that that that, um the characters in those books or at least the good the good characters in those books the noble characters in in those in those books a lot of the things that they value are things like like reading knowledge intelligence like intellectual you know what i mean like all that stuff all that that you know that's that's who i am that's that's me Mm-hmm. Right. I love I love learning. I love knowledge. I mean, like like, you know, there are lines in those books like, you know, never trust anyone who has not brought a book with them. You know, a, a wicked people never have time for reading. It's one of the reasons for their wickedness. Right. This this idea, <laughs> yeah. which is like it's funny because those books are funny. But like this idea that like um, like your moral worth, like your morality, like as a person is sort of linked to how well read you are it's linked to how much are you searching for knowledge and and looking to be educated and and well educated on the world right like you know that that's something that i think is i think that's part of the reason i am the way i am like i like i i like almost assign like moral value to like how how knowledgeable are you on you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. Which I'm not trying to say, like, if you're not educated on every single topic in the world, you're a bad person. I just mean, like, for me personally, like, I feel like I'm a better person because I try to learn about things. I try to make sure I'm as up to date on on information and and try to be as educated as possible. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then and then like even even like the uh, the sort of like optimism of those books, like it's it's the books are, you know, it's a serious, unfortunate event. The, The joke is that. It's all miserable, right? I mean, I mean, the first line of the of the bad beginning it, isn't the first line something like you know, th- this book has no happy ending, but there's also no happy beginning and nothing happy in the middle. Like if you want, if you want that, like just go read another book. Like yeah, first yeah. of all, that's funny, and so like I think part of my humor probably also came from that, and also I think the books are like postmodernism. Like it's probably it's probably. It's it's weirdly like postmodernism for kids, which is which is probably and has also shaped me in some way. But also the the optimism in, in that is in those books is like everything is awful. It's a series of unfortunate events. People are terrible, and yet strange as it may seem, I still hope for the best. Even though the best, like an interesting piece of mail, 
so rarely arrives. And even when it does, it can be lost so easily. Like mm-hmm. putting that optimism in, into into a funny little quote like that. Like I I liked I like that idea of like of like yes, everything is awful, the world is shit, things are terrible, but we should still be optimistic anyway. Like we should still look for like you know, or even even just little things like the general like distrust of authority. Like like the basically those books are about kids who are smart and good versus adults who are dumb and bad. Like this idea that like especially like being a young a young a young person like a a, a child basically at thirteen or whatever and and reading books that give me the feeling of like oh the adults in the world they're fucking everything up they don't know what they're doing they're a mess but me like we get it. Like I, I still kind of carry that feeling of like the older people, they've made some mistakes. They've ruined this world. Like, and right. it's, it's on me to fix it. It's on us to fix it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't know, or just, just, just like that, that is something that I think is, is really shaped me into who I am. Like when trouble strikes, head to the library, you'll either be able to solve the problem or simply have something to read as the world crashes down around you. Like, that's, that's good. So that's good. You know, like, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, or, or going back to the optimist, I'm, I'm, I was looking up, I was just looking at some quotes. Like miracles are like pimples because once you start looking for them, you find more than you ever dreamed you'd see, which is like, that's funny, but also like, it's kind of nice, kind of a nice sentiment, you right, know? Right. And I love that. I, I just, I don't know. So that, so a series of unfortunate events to me, I think really dramatically helped shape who i am as a person and why i am the way i am today so that that's that's my that's my first one sorry if i spoke too long about it i just love it yeah i remember i I never read that whole series as a kid i I read a few of the books i think i read some of them at a pretty young age and then i remember rereading the first one a few years later i was gonna try to get back into it and I reread the first one, and I remember still thinking, like, oh, this is, like, this is a book for children, but this is, like, a really good book for children, too. Like, this is, this guy is, like, writing in a smart and interesting, clever way um, that, like, you can – that you'll be able to go back to um, years later and still enjoy. Like, I'm sure, sure there's lots of novels I was interested in at that age that if I went back and read, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is still just a, a book for kids. Um, but, th- but this is like a good book for kids, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean like, okay, here's another one. All the secrets of the world are contained in books. Read at your own risk. You know, like, like yeah. that, that is, you know, cause like, especially like in, in recent years, as we've seen like this rise in like conspiracy theories and misinformation, like one thing that, that like, obviously it, I find it incredibly frustrating when people like believe dumb shit and buy into silly silly conspiracies like obviously that is a thing that very much much frustrates me right but what i find like almost more frustrating is when people say things like you know when when people do the whole i'm just asking questions routine you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like like well like like you know like my mom for example like she's she's like sort of an anti-vaxxer or whatever or sort of and she's like well you know i just like i just have questions about the vaccine and i'm like then go look it up like like every any question you have has been answered by an expert who's a hundred times smarter than you a hundred times smarter than me like and and like that is a thing that is it is that like i have i think i've carried with me this idea that like all information or 
maybe like, okay, once you get into really, really deep scientific stuff, maybe not literally all, but like basically any piece of knowledge that you could like question or, or desire in the world, you can go find it. Like mm-hmm. it's in a book somewhere or like in the yeah, modern yeah. days, it's in your pocket. Let's be real. Like it, it, you can, you can get to it. And, and so it, to me, it, it is, it does feel like it is unacceptable for someone to like have questions about like it, it really like, and, and obviously it, it pra- and practice, like y- y- no one can take the time to learn about everything. And there are some topics or some issues where you just have to be like, I, I have to set this one out. Cause I, I don't have the time to do the proper research, but it just like that, that is something that, that I, I get frustrated by is when, is when people are like, well, I don't know about this, but I'm going to have an opinion on it anyway. Or like, yeah, I don't know the answer. I'm just going to make up one. And that, like, that's frustrating to me because it's like, no, right. no, no, you can get it. You like the knowledge is out there. And, and I think, and I feel like unfortunate events like really emphasize that like information is always a way to get knowledge and to be, and to educate yourself and to get the information that you're looking for. There's always a way to do it. And it's, it's found mm-hmm. in books, you know? And I love yeah. that. That's such a, that's such a good, important sentiment. such a good, important thing for like, that like all people should, should take with them, I think. Right. Yeah. I always want to be reading more than I ever am. It's frustrating. I mean, it's, it's my own damn fault, but you know, it's stuff like that reminds me like, yeah, I should be, I should be reading a lot more about interesting things. Yeah, and I don't even mean like literally reading books. I mean like sometimes like yeah, no, I'll have a, I'll have a question about something like like I think like a year ago I w- I I just got it in my head like how does the internet actually work? And I went down like a 2-hour rabbit hole of like Wikipedia articles and YouTube videos and like mm-hmm. website just like trying to understand how does the internet actually work on a very deep level, you know. And like, you know, that's not that's not me going to the library and grabbing a book on it, but like it's the same idea. It's educating yourself. It's right, learning, right. you know, and that's yeah. yeah, that's so that's that you know. So well read people are less likely to be evil. Uh, that's yeah. uh, I, I carry that with me. Yeah, there you go. You got another one? Um my next one is Seinfeld. This was mine too. Okay. This I, is I perfect. had a feeling it would be. Yeah, this was this is on both of our lists. Yeah. So I I started watching Seinfeld. My parents first showed it to me when I was in like middle school. I mean, it, I, I it, there it is a little bit too racy for like an elementary school kid to be watching, probably. Um, so I I first watched it in middle school. Like watched some of like the safer episodes, um, like Chinese restaurant and stuff like that. But I, I mean, as, as I got older, it was like oh, you can't watch this episode, but. Um, but like, I've, yeah, my parents didn't really care at a certain point. They were like, yeah, yeah, you're old enough that all of this is fine. Um, so watched, watched that like, man, I think it was on TBS from like six to eight every weekday or seven to eight. And we would always watch like the seven to eight o'clock episodes. Um, so that was like a, a daily routine for, for years in middle school and high school for my family. So I I think that was extremely influential in my sense of humor. Um, I mean, I I've I, I think about Seinfeld all the time, just just in like daily uh, instances of interactions I have with people are can be very uh, Seinfeldian at times. I I I think I say quotes all the time to other people, even if they don't know it. Like I'll I'll just say lines that apply to a certain situation. And it's like it's it's just a funny thing to say, and it's even funnier if someone gets what I'm referencing. Um, 
and yeah, I, I've I've shown Seinfeld to other people or like convinced them to watch it, um, and they they have said to me like I, I feel like I just got like an inside look at at your at your brain, your sense of humor from watching this show, because like so, so much of your personality is in this. Um, and th- I remember someone told me like, there were things that things that I say that they heard in a uh, episode of Seinfeld. I, I, I totally forgot that was even a reference that I've been saying for so long. <laughs> it just became a part of like my dialogue. Um, right. But yeah, this, this is maybe, <laughs> maybe the most influential thing for my, my sense of humor probably. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's exactly the same for me. It, it's that it was that, I mean, even down to like, like my parents would come home for like, or we'd come home or whatever. And it, and while we're, they're like making dinner, like put on TBS and watch Seinfeld for two hours. Like, yes, that is exactly how it happened in, in my house as well. And I had, I've had the same experience. Like when Seinfeld came to Netflix and some of my best friends watched it for the first time and they watched it through all the way and they came to me and they, and they said oh my god i feel like i understand you better now because right. it's like it's it that that show and that sense of humor and ju- just like everything about it 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 became ingrained in me and mm-hmm. i mean i mean that's that's how it, i mean I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. I mean, you know exactly oh, yeah. how it feels. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like little references, sentences, even just like, even sometimes like, just like the way, the way that we will think about a situation is, is, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times like you and I have looked at each other and done this. I believe I've done this with people in my family, but like been in a situation, just been like, are we in a Seinfeld episode? Right. You know what I mean? Like just that feeling of like, what, what's going on? What's happening? You know, being fucked with right now. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, I I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. If you did, I'd have a car. I mean, just like just stuff like that that comes up, and it it's um, and I think I think what's so great about the show. I was just talking about this with my roommates the other day. It it came up, and and what's great about Seinfeld. I think the reason Seinfeld is like superior to a lot of those other '90s sitcoms is that it's. It's so much about like the most subtle minutia of like social interactions. It's about like the little social faux pas, the little subtleties of human interaction. And that stuff is timeless. You know, like Mm -hmm. even though you can analyze an episode and be like, well, this problem could have been solved if they just had cell phones. The show's outdated. But like, but the truth is like the show's not about that. It's about people behaving in strange ways or or the small little things that happen in your day-to-day life and talking about it like i like 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 or even even like you know can you believe i got happy new year today it's february right you know and then and then jerry was i once got happy new year in march and they're like it's disgusting it's ridiculous like like (laughs) like that like the show is that show is always talking about like like the smallest little things that I think most of the time most people would be like, oh, that's annoying, but whatever. Or that's a weird thing that happened, but whatever, and put it out of their mind. That show is like, no, I want to talk because this is odd that why did the, why does this person – why doesn't she move her arms when she walks? Why does this guy eat his Snickers bar with a knife and fork? Like we have to talk about this. This is insane. And I, it's just – it's one of those things where like – 
I think I've done this in my day-to-day life where like I see a very, very small thing or a very, a very, a, a little thing that is a little bit odd and I will turn to friends and be like, can we talk about this? And they'd be like, yeah, it's weird, but who cares? Like, do we have to analyze it? I'm like, yes, we do because it's insane. And like that impulse, I think, comes from Seinfeld where like every tiny little human behavior is analyzed to death. And I, and I just, I, I, first of all, I love it. And second, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, one one of the ones that I think about a lot um, that happens all the time, it feels like, or it, it's just one of those things that when they make the joke, it just resonates, uh, is at the Chinese restaurant when Jerry sees that woman that he can't remember who she is. Yes. And she walks up to him and they have like the most awkward conversation that you have when you bump into someone you've like haven't seen in years. <laughs> and it's like, well, where have you been? Oh, I've been around. <laughs> well, you got to come by sometime. We miss you. I, I do. I plan on it. And I'm not just saying, <laughs> and I'm not that. just and saying then, that. Yeah. And then they, the, the best part is they're both like laugh a little bit. The most like fake forced laugh. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, right. That, that sigh is just like, <laughs> so relatable to that like oh i've been there i know what that's like it's terrible very few things are able to like perfectly capture an awkward social interaction (laughs) you know we're living in a society (laughs) supposed to act in a civilized way (laughs) yeah no that's that's a that's a great show um so uh, yeah, I think I think we're very much on the same page there. So that was that was both of our like second one. Um, but you you brought that one up, so I guess my turn. I'll go. Yeah, sure. This is this is the kind of the third thing I thought of, and I, I'm not sure exactly how much this counts, but but I, I I'm I'm gonna say Penn and Teller because oh, yeah? because I, I always kind of liked. You know, mad doing magic tricks and learning how they work and practicing them, and you know, like my, my when I was a kid, my parents would get me magic sets and little magic kits and stuff like that, you know, and it was fun. And then, like once I once I did like discovered Penn and Teller, I, I I think that like I think that elevated like my appreciation for like magic and like the way they talk about it. And and I've always kind of wanted to do a whole a whole episode of of this podcast about magic and why I think it's important and all these things, but like. I don't know. I think I think um uh, I, I think what magic taught me like as a as a kid or like as a young as a young person is that like almost the, almost the idea of like of like there are secrets or there are or not secrets but like there are tricks in the world. Like like not just magic tricks. I don't mean like literally magic tricks, but like it it when you play with magic a lot, it reveals like almost like the gaps in our brains i mean that's essentially in some ways that's what magic is it's like exploiting uh mistakes that our that our brain makes about the world like you know like even something as simple as like um like sometimes magicians will hold an object in their hands and you know you'll only see one side of the object but our brains are you like we are just used to assuming that um and i'm not trying to give away any specific tricks or anything but our brains are used to assuming that like if something looks one way it probably looks exactly the same on the other side like a cup 
you would it, you see one side of a cup, you would assume it looks exactly the same on the other side, right? And so magicians yeah. can use that to like make a cup that actually doesn't look the same or doesn't work the same way on the other side. But you will assume that it does because why would you assume otherwise? That's what you're used to, like like things like that. And I think I think uh, learning magic and like and like watching Penn and Teller and how they do it and how they talk about it, like. Um, sort of taught me that that like there are there are tricks in the world and you can be fooled that's what Penn and Teller always say like you can be fooled no matter who you are you can be fooled you can be the smartest guy in the world okay and you can still get fooled by a magic trick and I think that lesson is sort of humbling um that that idea that like you know even if I think I'm really smart which I do I think I'm a smart cookie okay but I still know that I can be tricked. I can be fooled. And maybe it's being fooled by a really good magic trick, by a, a great performer, or, or maybe it's, you know, a piece of propaganda or some misinformation that I've seen online or seen on the, you know what I mean? And like, I, I think, I think once I started following Penn and Teller and, and, and following their career a little bit closer and seeing the way they talk about magic and the, and I mean, they did a whole show called Bullshit where they like debunk things and talk about like, here's the secret to this. And like, you know, very like amazing Randy, Harry Houdini used to do that type of stuff too. Like, like I, that story I love about Harry Houdini is that like some psychic, you know, some, one of these people who, you know, one of these liars who claims that they can talk to the dead went to Harry Houdini and said, I have a message from your dead mother. And her, her message is that, you know, Harry, I love you. And he, immediately he knew it was, it was fake because, um, Harry Houdini, his his mother would have never called him Harry Houdini, you know, because Harry Houdini right. was not his real name. His name was, I think it was, I think it was Eric Weiss. So his mother was never, never called him Harry, and Harry Houdini vo- devoted like part of his life to like debunking nonsense, right? And that and Penn and Teller ended up doing a similar thing where they like would just debunk stuff, and and I think Penn and Teller sort of made this connection between like you know magic and truth and and you know me you know i'm like obsessed with getting to the truth and again that's sort of that stuff's you know it, it it goes hand in hand with the unfortunate events thing which is like unfortunate events taught me that like you're a good person as long as you're willing to constantly be educating yourself and always learning and looking for answers and Penn and teller sort of taught me that like like the truth matters you know what i mean and it's important and it's out there and, and unfortunate events taught me that like the, the truth is accessible and Penn and Tara ta- taught me like how much the truth matters you know and so i think i think in that sense i sort of i sort of credit them for like especially that like that like skepticism debunking things not not willing to just believe things because it feels true but actually looking into things you know what i mean like that that is sort of stuff that like really kind of shaped who I am today and like why I'm such a <laughs> an annoying nutcase about things like the truth and doing research and not not buying into scams and con artists and misinformation. I'm so I try to be so diligent about that stuff because what Penn and Teller taught me is that. I can be fooled. You can be fooled. No matter who you are, you can be fooled. You can be tricked. You can be deceived. And and therefore, we we must always be on guard. We have to always be on the lookout for that. 
Yeah, that one totally makes sense to me. That that one really lines up with, <laughs> with the with the way you are now. It's, uh, <laughs> but it's it's a good one though, you know. It's like they're they're extremely smart people that you can learn a lot from. I, I've 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 seen some of their stuff, not nearly as much as you, obviously. But it's it's always eye opening. They're I I really like listening to well, Penn talk. Yeah, we we should we should link his episode on you made it weird, right? I mean, it's it's fantastic um mm-hmm. and, and even even Penn and teller like their commitment to morality i i love i think is so interesting and their their commitment to like morality in entertainment you know like they've they've spoken a lot about how um they, like even though they do magic tricks they don't want people to walk to leave the theater with a false sense of reality like they, they've talked about how the perfect magic trick to, to represent this idea is the sawing a lady in half trick in the sense that if you go to if you go see a magic show and they saw a lady in half nobody in the theater except for maybe very small children or the very mentally ill nobody in the theater leaves believing they have just witnessed a murder right and and that idea of like that idea of like being honest about the fact that they're lying you know what I mean? Like, like being honest about about what you know, what is a trick and what is real, and and making sure that no one walks away believing that they have magic powers. Because they they talk about how there are some magicians out there who want the audience to walk away questioning what is real and what is just a trick, or or could can he actually do that for real, or does he actually have some sort of supernatural? mystical powers is esp a real thing can some people really talk to the di- like like there are some people out there who want people to actually question those things and Penn and teller are very clear that like no that those things aren't real and we want to be clear that those things aren't real we want to be very clear that like we're doing tricks you know yeah, and people will enjoy it more if, we, if we're honest about it yeah i think so I, I think so i mean um because otherwise you can leave someone someone can walk away questioning reality and you you shouldn't make people question reality if you know you're lying to them like that's just not cool that's not that's not morally correct yeah it's dishonest it's very dishonest i mean it's it's one thing you know it's one thing to say hey i'm gonna lie to you and then and then i lie to you well that's nothing wrong with that i'm telling you up front that i'm lying to you when you go to a magic show you're consenting to being lied to Mm -hmm. okay but if you but if someone says oh i'm not lying and but by the way, I can read your mind. Or hey, I'm not lying, but I can talk to your dead family. Like that's fucked up, you know. Um, and Penn and Teller, they even they even have done this. They did this great magic trick with a nail gun. I don't know if I've showed you this one, where um, they Penn takes a nail gun and he pretends and he he shoots nails into a into a board into a piece of wood and then he puts a nail gun up to his hand and he fires it and a nail doesn't come out so he doesn't pierce his hand right and he explains that it's a, it, it's it's a memorization trick and so there you know there are some there are some places in like the the ammo where he's pulled out the nails and all he has to do is rem- is memorize the exact sequence of where there's a nail and where there's not and he knows when he can fire into the wood and when he can fire into his hand right mm-hmm. so it's a memorization act right and then and so he sets it up as like it's not a trick it's it's just memorization and then as he goes on he explains more about how actually all memorization acts are tricks they're lies they're magic tricks and he's and he's basically telling you i'm not memorizing anything it really is a trick and he and he says and he and he says you know it the reason the reason we don't 
actually do this as a memorization trick is because it, I think the way he phrases it is he says, it would make the audience complicit in unnecessary human risk. And their, <laughs> right. their belief is that they shouldn't be doing anything on stage that is more dangerous than like sitting on your couch watching TV. Like it should be safe. And, and they are an act where they do a bullet catch trick. They fire guns at each other's faces and they catch a bullet in their teeth, right? And yet they have this philosophy that they shouldn't be doing things that are dangerous on stage because it, it could it, if something actually if something is actually dangerous and it goes wrong, then it, why would people why would you make people watch that? That's that's yeah. unethical. And yeah, so terrible. It, and I just I love that idea of of um, lying in a in a moral way. I think that's so interesting. Um, you know, so like, I don't know, their, their commitment to like truth and their commitment to, uh, morality, I think is, I think is really, uh, powerful to me. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've watched, um, I don't know. I like listening to, uh, several of their videos before when they just, um, it's, it's so funny, like watching them explain, well, watching them do a trick and then explain exactly what they just did and how how the trick works is like even more interesting than watching the trick, you know? Because because you, your your mind is like looking for those answers, and I'm I'm sure you're I'm sure if you walked away without knowing, you'd still be in all. But it, I I do like the fact that they're not shying away from just explaining exactly what they did and how you got tricked. That's that's the most fun part of it in a way. Yeah, and sometimes the reveal of like this is how we did it. Um, is a trick in and of itself, not in that it's it's a lie, but sometimes they they've talked about how they design tricks from the ground up to be revealed. Like they do one where they like put Teller in a box and take the box apart, and like each part, you know, like his legs are in a separate box, and his arms over here, and his head's over there, but like each part is still like moving around and stuff. And they reveal how they do it, and it's really cool to see them to see how it works. But they talk about how like. It, that if, if we were going to do this trick for real, that probably wouldn't actually be how we do it. We 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 it, we make it kind of we make the reveal as sexy and interesting as the trick. Most magic tricks where you don't get the reveal, if you actually look into how it actually works, a lot of it is like, oh, it's actually kind of boring. It's like, oh, right, of right. course you have to do that. Like, so yeah. they're, they're also smart about like doing a reveal, or or they do they do the famous cups and balls trick where they yep. you know. Three cu- three cups, three balls, and then you know they put a ball under the cup and then disappears. And and they do that with clear plastic cups. But the trick there is that even though you can you can see everything that's happening, they do it so fast and they're so smooth with it that it almost is still a trick where you're you're still like you, you can see everything going on and yet it's almost like you're still confused. And that in and of itself is kind of a cool kind of a cool trick. So yeah, no, they're they're very they're very clever. They're very smart. I I I think. Um, I think just their ideas and their uh, their like you know I uh, belief system I guess has sort of had a big influence on me. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, did you have uh, did you have one more? Yeah, yeah. You want my you want my next one? Yeah, give me your last one. Uh, that would be uh, the Lonely Island. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I did not see this coming. <laughs> um, what like I don't know why, but this was like instant thing that popped into my head when when i was like looking at this topic um i'll, I'll try and figure out why as as i explain <laughs> okay. I, I i feel like as a, a young kid uh well like 
elementary school, early middle school kid when like YouTube is like starting to become a thing. Um, these three funny guys, they're like, they're making video and they're like using the internet in an interesting way that you've never seen used before. Um, coming up with short form content that's really funny, quick to consume. Uh, I, I feel like that is like very influential in just, just the way I, I, I think not just for me, I think for, for a lot of people, for a lot of, uh, audiences and for a lot of creators like oh we can make really short form interesting content that people are gonna love like i I think that probably plays into like um like vine and tiktok like how those platforms took off just just the idea of like this very short form funny content i mean so many uh like YouTubers or, or just, just like taken off their careers because of the lonely Island. Um, just being able to make these, these funny videos. It just, I think it just expanded everyone's idea of like, Oh, this is a new thing that we can do. So, so many funny music video channels. And not, not only that, but I, I think like they influenced me because I, I n- never really watched SNL before, but that's when I started watching SNL. And that's just like, it's it's a relevant show like important sometimes like a lot of interesting things happen on there um like you learn a lot about parody from watching snl so i i feel like at that age that was that was important uh for me as well um just like being up with what's going on in the world and how topical it was and they they were definitely the bridge uh for me into snl and then as well just like I, other artists I learned about because of the Lonely Island. Like I don't, I don't think I'd ever heard of Michael Bolton before. Before uh, hearing the song Jack Sparrow, and s- same with like I'm on a boat with T Pain. Just, just other artists that they opened me up to. People like Justin Timberlake. I, I probably barely knew anything about him until I saw uh, Dick in a Box and Mother Box and Mother's Day. Uh, right. So. Right. I don't know. I, I it, their their style of humor, I think, has also affected me as well. I I think it's just something I gravitate towards naturally now. Um, so yeah, that 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 that's my my next one that I can think of, which is really surprising. But uh, the Lonely Island. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point about how they 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 sort of took off with like the rise of like YouTube and stuff like that, and at a time people were making kind of short, you know a few minutes you know funny videos and sketches and stuff and and you know you could argue maybe snl always did things like that but this stuff was like maybe it aired on tv but even if it did it it took off online i mean you know videos like the shooting you know dear sister you know "Mm, what you say yeah you know like stuff like that um that that's lonely island right or or it's some of the guys uh, like Andy Samberg's in it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that kind of stuff, you know, probably not only shaped, you know, you and your sense of humor, but in some way kind of maybe possibly shaped some of the internet and some maybe the sense of humor of, of a lot of oh, us yeah. who, who sort of grew up on the internet at that time. So no, that's that's a that's a really that's a really good one. Um I mean, you don't I don't think you listen to a lot of comedy music in general, but I know you listen to Lonely Island, so yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, I I I think like was was that like the first time I ever heard like the word jizz before in jizz in my <laughs> pants? Like just just like educating right, me right. on just like 
slang and things like that at, at, at the age when you start to learn about stuff like that. Um, and just, just like the surreal side of their sense of humor, um, the things like Jack Sparrow, obviously, uh, the song we're back, just like things that are so weird, just like unconventional, um, styles of humor that I, I, I don't think, uh, were really being made before the internet and especially these guys. Yeah. I think in some ways maybe their, their humor was perfectly suited to the internet and like internet culture, you know, that's, uh, totally that. Yeah. The lonely Island is, is a good, is a good pick. I like, I like that a lot. I, I like, I like that you're, that two of yours are like about comedy and your sense of humor. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I put them on, like, my Mount Rushmore of comedy in terms of, like, pe- people that influence me the most. Wow. What else is what else is on your Mount Rushmore of comedy? <sighs> so I, I don't pick, like, individuals. Um, like, The Lonely Island would be, like, one head on the Mount right. Rushmore. Right, I think I, I – I did this before. I thought of the four. The other ones are Bill Burr, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and Larry David are also one head – right um, oh and then uh and then nathan fielder um i mean it's it's like it's very close between um nathan and Bo. um oh right but, right but like i i think i mean i don't, I don't know that Bo has ever said this but i i, I feel like like Bo is like a continuation of of the lonely island in a way of of that like really funny songs that are popular now like that are being made on the internet. I mean, he got started on YouTube like that, that, that had to have been something that influenced him. Um, so just, just, just again, and how I think, uh, important they are into like the modern sense of humor. God, how did I not think of Bo Burnham before? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. That's a big one. I mean, so much of like my feelings towards like, the internet and social media and celebrity are shaped by Bo Burnham and some of the things mm-hmm. that he's talked about and how he's talked about, you know, like weird, like weird parasocial relationships and, and the good and the bad of the internet. Like, you know, it's like, like so many people want to paint the internet as like a bad thing or the dangers of the internet. And like Bo Burnham is one of the few people who gets that it can be used for such good and such bad at the same time, you know? Oh yeah, I think that's that's probably one I should have had on there. I'll add I'll add that to my list. Bo Burnham. I mean, uh, oh, there you go. I mean, I mean, I just I I love I love his comedy. I love uh, you know I love him. I love his music. I love you know I I love a lot of his work. Um, so much of his work. I've I've seen basically all of it. I think and mm-hmm. um yeah like like uh, I I I still find myself like getting into conversations about like celebrities or famous people, and I'm like, why would anybody want to be famous? And I and I'm like I. Sometimes I feel like I'm just pulling from things Bo Burnham has talked about and just like, you know, regurgitating it in probably a less eloquent way and, and you right, know, in right. in conversation when those things come up in conversation. So, um, yeah, Bo, Bo Burnham, I think, is another one for me. Not maybe not so much in terms of like his style of comedy, but in terms of like the the values that he has and, and, and what he puts out and, and like sort of the messages that he puts out into the world. The mm-hmm. idea of like if you can live your life without an audience, you should do it. Something we're not doing right now going against that advice, which is, is interesting. Like I think, you know, Bo Burnham, not in terms of his actual style of jokes, but more in terms of thematically the things that he talks about in his career. 
I mean, the idea of like of making a movie called Eighth Grade about an eighth grader and what that experience is like and how in some ways we all kind of feel like an eighth grade girl who's like insecure and trying to fit in and like, you know, like, I don't know, like that's, that's such an interesting thing to tap into, like as mm-hmm. as a creative person, as a human, like I, I, I love that, you know, and I don't know, just the way he talks about the internet, he talks about the internet with with such nuance uh, that I that I appreciate, and and I, and I think it's refreshing to hear someone talk about the internet. But something I love, I love the internet. I love it. There's, I, I see all the good and I see all the bad, and I and I love it. And I think you know, I I maybe because of my age, I mostly just still see it as a good thing while recognizing all the problems with it. And I love that there's someone as smart as Bo talking about talking about it in a way that that resonates with me. You know, I love that. Yeah, I th- I think people will will too often just hear what Bo's talking about and just th- just like become just just think he's being extremely cynical, which which maybe sometimes he is, but I I, f- I feel like there's so much more uh, nuance uh, to to what he's saying than um, people will often uh, recognize or ignore, um, like like welcome to the internet like I, I i've heard people say like oh he's just talking about how terrible the internet is and i'm like no you're not you're not listening um, right right um there's there's, there's, so, there's so much more being said um that is far more interesting um than what you're making it out to be like if if it was about what you're saying it is it wouldn't be that good you know here's a healthy breakfast option you should kill your mom right i mean yeah you can you can find healthy breakfast options on the internet and you can also you know find a way to make a bomb and you know commit a mass murder and also fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur yeah exactly you know and the other thing i love i love about bo is that i've seen him talk about in interviews and stuff is like how he is sometimes like like sympathetic to like like the way that he is sympathetic to things that other people might not but you know what i mean like like i remember seeing an interview with him where he started talking about something and he was, he was like, and I'm, and I'm just going to say this. And he's like, and please see this for what it is and don't misconstrue. And, and I'm, and I'm just putting it in context of it. And like, he has like this whole like 45 second, like preamble before he can actually get to making a statement, you know? And, and it, and he's, and he goes, it's crazy how many like qualifiers you have to put on a sentence before you can say something these days, you know? And I think, and I think most people would leave it there and they would say like, oh, isn't it annoying how much we have to like qualify our statements so we don't try to try not to get taken out? Like, I think most people would, would frame it that way as like, isn't it annoying? But Bo Burnham says, it's crazy how many like qualifiers you have to put on a sentence these days. And then he says, but that might be right. That might be right because the culture's on fire. Like he's like he's like I get everything is insane right now, and 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 I I love I I think it was the same interview where he says like I get why people are tearing everything down and reexamining it. And he he's like he's like it, you know maybe it's it's I think he he doesn't say it, but he's sort of alluding to like maybe this is not all productive. This sort of culture tearing down, reexamining every aspect of like he, he almost alludes to the fact that like maybe it's not all productive. But he says like I I get it. I get it's coming. I get the place that it's coming from. I understand it. And he says I think people are being very well behaved considering what's actually going on. <laughs> and <laughs> I and I love and I love that because it's like he's he's encapsulating like the way I feel, which is like yes, 
some people are going too far in some ways or in some aspects of things. But at the same time, sometimes those people, I, I understand where it's coming from. And, and I, and, you know, I, I saw him talk about, talk about this like a long time ago when like, this was like, I don't know, eight years ago or something now. And there was like discourse about like comedians playing at college campuses. Cause they're like, Oh, they're these college kids are just too sensitive these days. So I'm not doing that anymore. And he was asked about it. And he was, I think he was asked, like, are people too sensitive or are people, you know, you know, and, and he said, like, and he said, like, you know, it, it might be an overcorrection, but it's an overcorrection to a problem that needed to be solved, you know, and I just, I love, I love that he, uh, he, I think he feels the way I do, which is like, yes, yeah, some of these people might be overcorrecting on things, but I understand where it's coming from. I understand the place that it's coming from. I understand why. And eventually, and it, it, I think what he's sort of implying is like eventually it will balance out, and and it will kind of swing back to something more in the middle, you know, and and I I like I don't know I feel I feel like that's that's it like there are so many topics that he has spoken on not in his actual you know proper stand up acts there are so many topics that he's spoken on where I feel like yes that's how I feel and I didn't have the words for it yeah I I mean I th- I think that speaks to again just. The, the nuance of his opinions of like not not everything is black and white you know everything is a lot more more complicated than it seems and i don't know it it just feels like he's such a good person to connect with because he grew up just like us you know like he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't born rich and just like fell into well i guess i guess he did kind of fall into a uh, faint well I, I guess I guess that is what it's interesting about him is that yeah. he just accidentally got famous, um, and like w- imagine that happened to us at age thirteen, and like what 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 would that do to you? Um, and I, I I feel like the fact that he he didn't grow up or aspire for that is um is is why he's interesting and able to connect with so many just regular people our age. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's. Uh, you know, he's not that much older than us, but, and he's mm-hmm. just a, kind of a normal person who just kind of fell ass backwards into this. Um, and also like, what's also interesting is like, he doesn't seem to be, he's not someone who's trying to be out living his life in public. You know what I mean? He, no, not he at all. Very much likes and, and values his, his privacy. And, um, yeah, that's I, like, that's respectable as a, like, that's. That's normal. You know, that's like, that's almost kind of how all famous people should be, right? Like why do like the famous people who like constantly want to be in, in the public eye, like why would you want that? What's wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, which like, I never would have thought about it like that if I hadn't listened to a hundred hours of Bo Burnham talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, but but yeah, but it makes sense, you know? So, so yeah, so those are, uh, those are the things that I, that I like those are the thing that that's um what did I call it the media that the media that made us yep there you go I I think I don't, I don't have a lot to say about um this last one but I think the only other thing I'll add um would be um the Eagles the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel those were like the first three classic rock artists I was ever exposed to and listened to at like age eleven um. And so, like, they're they're the first um, ones that uh, in, introduced me to older music. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of like lots of '60s and '70s music. So um, that that definitely influenced me. And like that that style of music, especially from that era, is what I enjoy the most. Um, 
Yeah, it was, I'm, I'm glad that I, I heard Desperado at age 12 and didn't think it was boring. I'm glad I liked it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I, could see, I could see how being exposed to the right, the right music at a young age shapes your music taste kind of forever. Oh, yeah. That's, that's important. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't just listen to um, like whatever was popular when I was in middle school. Like I, I, just, I just picked up some old CDs that my parents had and downloaded them onto my iPod. And that, oh, yeah, really? That, that, sh- that shaped everything. Yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't buy any Eagle songs with my iTunes gift cards. I just had a CD lying around and burnt it. Right, right. That's funny. I like the idea of like twelve-year-old Matt like burning Eagle CDs onto his iPod. I know, I know. <laughs> Eagles' greatest hits. That's all you need. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, start with it. Start with the greatest hits and move out from there. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's what I did with the Beatles. Actually, I think I, I think I I just heard like they had like a singles like compilation. Like the, what is it? Their one album. Yeah. I think I just listened to that first, and I was like, I should check out like some full albums by them. <laughs> yeah. I do think that is the wrong way to get into the Beatles, but probably I, I, th- I think that's why like it's become like trendy and hip to hate on the Beatles was because that was like the first exposure young people had to the Beatles sometimes. And they're like, I want to hold your hand. This is like the greatest band of all time. I, I don't think so. Um, what is it? If they got started on a different foot, they might they might not have that opinion. I don't know. I like I want to hold your hand. I think it's a nice song. <laughs> I mean, it's it is, but it's like. <laughs> If if you're being told this is the greatest band of all time, you'd be like, really? All right, if you say so. Right, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, I guess maybe the first song to listen to would be Eleanor Rigby or something. That'd be a better first yeah. song. Well, well, what do you think would be the best the best first Beatles song to hear? Or, or, or do you think just start with their first album? First song? No, you definitely don't start with the first album. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe Let It Be... Um, no, I, I mean, it's like a simple, simple pop song. Um, but I mean, it's got great lyrics, a great chorus, one of my favorite guitar solos ever. Um, like I think, I think it captures a lot of what makes the Beatles great. All right. I'm going on rollingstone.com. The 100 greatest Beatles songs. I'm just going to look up what's number one. I hope it's let it be. I hope I'm right. A day in the life. Oh, I mean, yeah, everyone says that's the best one, but that's not the first one you should ever hear. Hmm, okay, all right, fair enough. I don't know, maybe, maybe Come Together. Come Together is a good one. Yesterday? Yeah. I like Twist and Shout. I thought it was, that might have been the first one I heard just because of Ferris Bueller. Yeah, that's a good one. Ferris Bueller, I think, shaped me into the man I am today. Absolutely. I think. I think, I really think that I try to live my entire life Every day I wake up and I think WWFD. <laughs> that's a good way to live life. What would Ferris do? Things will work out well if that's what you do. 